Section six of Sarah Crewe or What Happened at Miss Minchin's Boarding School. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sarah and Gracia Parshall. Sarah Crewe or What Happened at Miss Minchin's Boarding School by Frances Hodgson Burnett. Section six sarah thought he was going to die but there was no need to call the lascar he must have been waiting at the door he was in the room and by his master's side in an instant he seemed to know what to do he lifted the drooping head and gave the invalid something in a small glass the indian gentleman lay panting for a few minutes then he spoke in an exhausted but eager voice addressing the lascar in hindustani go for carmichael he said tell him to come here at once tell him i have found the child when mr carmichael arrived which occurred in a very few minutes for it turned out that he was no other than the father of the large family across the street sarah went home and was allowed to take the monkey with her she certainly did not sleep very much that night though the monkey behaved beautifully and did not disturb her in the least it was not the monkey that kept her awake it was her thoughts and her wonders as to what the indian gentleman had meant when he said tell him i have found the child what child sarah kept asking herself i was the only child there but how had he found me and why did he want to find me and what is he going to do now now that i am found is it something about my papa do i belong to somebody is he one of my relations is something going to happen but she found out the very next day in the morning and it seemed that she had been living in a story even more than she had imagined first mr carmichael came and had an interview with miss minchin and it appeared that mr carmichael besides occupying the important situation of father to the large family was a lawyer and had charge of the affairs of mr carisford which was the real name of the indian gentleman and as mr carisford's lawyer mr carmichael had come to explain something curious to miss minchin regarding sarah but being the father of the large family he had a very kind and fatherly feeling for children and so after seeing miss minchin alone what did he do but go and bring across the square his rosy motherly warm-hearted wife so that she herself might talk to the little lonely girl and tell her everything in the best and most motherly way and then sarah learned that she was to be a poor little drudge and outcast no more and that a great change had come in her fortunes for all the lost fortune had come back to her and a great deal had even been added to it it was mr carisford who had been her father's friend and who had made the investments which caused him the apparent loss of his money but it had so happened that after the poor young captain crew's death one of the investments which had seemed at the time the very worst had taken a sudden turn and proved to be such a success that it had been a mine of wealth and it had doubled the captain's lost fortune as well as making a fortune for mr carisford himself but mr carisford had been very unhappy he had truly loved his poor handsome generous young friend and the knowledge that he had caused his death had weighed upon him always and broken both his health and spirit 
the worst of it had been that when he first thought himself and captain crew ruined he had lost courage and gone away because he thought he was not brave enough to face the consequences of what he had done and so he had not even known where the young soldier's little girl had been placed when he wanted to find her and make restitution he could discover no trace of her and the certainty that she was poor and friendless somewhere had made him more miserable than ever when he had taken the house next to miss minchin's he had been so ill and wretched that he had for the time given up the search his troubles in the indian climate had brought him almost to death's door indeed he had not expected to live more than a few months and then one day the lascar had told him about sarah's speaking hindustani and gradually he had begun to take a sort of interest in the forlorn child though he had only caught a glimpse of her once or twice and he had not connected her with the child of his friend perhaps because he was too languid to think much about anything but the lascar had found out something of sarah's unhappy life and about the garret one evening he had actually crept out of his own garret window and looked into hers which was a very easy matter because as i have said it was only a few feet away and he had told his master what he had seen and in a moment of compassion the indian gentleman had told him to take into the wretched little room such comforts as he could carry from one window to the other and the lascar who had developed an interest in and an odd fondness for the child who had spoken to him in his own tongue had been pleased with the work and having the silent swiftness and agile movements of many of his race he had made his evening journey across the few feet from garret window to garret window without any trouble at all he had watched sarah's movements until he knew exactly when she was absent from her room and when she returned to it and so he had been able to calculate the best times for his work generally he had made them in the dusk of the evening but once or twice when he had seen her go out on errands he dared to go over in the daytime being quite sure that the garret was never entered by anyone but herself his pleasure in the work and his reports of the results had added to the invalid's interest in it and somehow the master had found the planning gave him something to think of which made him almost forget his weariness and pain and at last when sarah brought home the truant monkey he had felt a wish to see her and then her likeness to her father had done the rest and now my dear said good mrs carmichael patting sarah's hand all your troubles are over i am sure and you are to come home with me and be taken care of as if you were one of my own little girls and we are so pleased to think of having you with us until everything is settled and mr carrisford is better the excitement of last night has made him very weak but we really think he will get well now that such a load is taken from his mind and when he is stronger i am sure he will be as kind to you as your own papa would have been he has a very good heart and he is fond of children and he has no family at all but we must make you happy and rosy and you must learn to play and run about as my little girls do as your little girls do said sarah i wonder if i could i used to watch them and wonder what it was like shall i feel as if i belonged to somebody oh my love yes yes said mrs carmichael dear me yes and her motherly blue eyes grew quite moist and she suddenly took sarah in her arms and kissed her that very night before she went to sleep 
sarah had made the acquaintance of the entire large family and such excitement as she and the monkey had caused in that joyous circle could hardly be described there was not a child in the nursery from the etten boy who was the oldest to the baby who was the youngest who had not laid some offering on her shrine all the older ones knew something of her story she had been born in india she had been poor and lonely and unhappy and had lived in a garret and had been treated unkindly and now she was to be rich and happy and to be taken care of they were so sorry for her and so delighted and curious about her all at once the girls wished to be with her constantly and the little boys wished to be told about india the second baby with the short round legs simply sat and stared at her and the monkey possibly wondering why she had not brought a hand organ with her i shall certainly wake up presently sarah kept saying to herself this one must be a dream the other one turned out to be real but this couldn't be but oh how happy it is and even when she went to bed in the bright pretty room not far from mrs carmichael's own and mrs carmichael came and kissed her and patted her and tucked her in cosily she was not sure that she would not wake up in the garret in the morning and oh charles dear mrs carmichael said to her husband when she went downstairs to him we must get that lonely look out of her eyes it isn't a child's look at all i couldn't bear to see it in one of my old children what the poor little love must have had to bear in that dreadful woman's home but surely she will forget it in time but though the lonely look passed from sarah's face she never quite forgot the garret at miss minchin's and indeed she always liked to remember the wonderful night when the tired princess crept upstairs cold and wet and opening the door found fairyland waiting for her and there was no one of the many stories she was always being called upon to tell in the nursery of the large family which was more popular than that particular one and there was no one of whom the large family were so fond as of sarah mr carrisford did not die but recovered and sarah went to live with him and no real princess could have been better taken care of than she was it seemed that the indian gentleman could not do enough to make her happy and repay her for the past and the lascar was her devoted slave as her odd face grew brighter it grew so pretty and interesting that mr carrisford used to sit and watch it many an evening as they sat by the fire together they became great friends and they used to spend hours reading and talking together and in a very short time there was no pleasanter sight to the indian gentleman than sarah sitting in her big chair on the opposite side of the hearth with a book on her knee and her soft dark hair tumbling over her warm cheeks she had a pretty habit of looking up at him suddenly with a bright smile and then he would say often to her are you happy sarah and then she would answer i feel like a real princess uncle tom he had told her to call him uncle tom there doesn't seem anything left to suppose she added there was a little joke between them that he was a magician and so could do anything he liked and it was one of his pleasures to invent plans to surprise her with enjoyments she had not thought of scarcely a day had passed in which he did not do something for her sometimes she found new flowers in her room sometimes a fanciful little gift tucked into some odd corner sometimes a new book on her pillow once as they sat together in the evening they heard the scratch of a heavy paw on the door of the room and when sarah went in to find out what it was 
there stood a great dog a splendid russian boarhound with a grand silver and gold collar stooping to read the inscription upon the collar sarah was delighted to read the words i am boris i serve the princess sarah then there was a sort of fairy nursery arranged for the entertainment of the juvenile members of the large family who were always coming to see sarah and the lascar and the monkey sarah was as fond of the large family as they were of her she soon felt as if she were a member of it and the companionship of the healthy happy children was very good for her all the children rather looked up to her and regarded her as the cleverest and most brilliant of creatures particularly after it was discovered that she not only knew stories of every kind and could invent new ones at a moment's notice but she could help with lessons and speak french and german and discourse with the lascar in hindustani it was rather a painful experience for miss minchin to watch her ex-pupil's fortunes as she had the daily opportunity to do and to feel that she had made a serious mistake from a business point of view she had even tried to retrieve it by suggesting that sarah's education should be continued under her care and had gone to the length of making an appeal to the child herself i have always been very fond of you she said then sarah fixed her eyes upon her and gave her one of her odd looks have you she answered yes said miss minchin amelia and i have always said you were the cleverest child we had with us and i am sure we could make you happy as a parlor boarder sarah thought of the garret in the day her ears were boxed and of that other day the dreadful desolate day when she had been told she belonged to nobody that she had no home and no friends and she kept her eyes fixed on miss minchin's face you know why i would not stay with you she said and it seems probable that miss minchin did for after that simple answer she had not the boldness to pursue the subject she merely sent in a bill for the expense of sarah's education and support and she made it quite large enough and because mr carisford thought sarah would wish it paid it was paid when mr carmichael paid it he had a brief interview with miss minchin in which he expressed his opinion with much clearness and force and it is quite certain that miss minchin did not enjoy the conversation sarah had been about a month with mr carisford and had begun to realize that her happiness was not a dream when one night the indian gentleman saw that she sat a long time with her cheek on her hand looking at the fire what are you supposing sarah he asked sarah looked up with a bright color in her cheeks i was supposing she said i was remembering that hungry day and a child i saw but there were many hungry days said the indian gentleman with a rather sad tone in his voice which hungry day was it i forgot you didn't know said sarah it was the day i found the things in my garret and then she told him the story of the bun shop the fourpence and the child who was hungrier than herself and somehow as she told it though she told it very simply indeed the indian gentleman found it necessary to shade his eyes and look down at the floor and i was supposing a kind of plan said sarah when she had finished i was thinking i would like to do something what is it said her guardian in a low tone you may do anything you like to do princess i was wondering said sarah you know you say i have a great deal of money and i was wondering if i could go and see the bun woman and tell her if when hungry children particularly on those dreadful days 
come and sit on the steps or look in at the window. She would just call them in and give them something to eat. And she might send the bills to me and I would pay for them. Could I do that? You shall do it tomorrow morning, said the Indian gentleman. Thank you, said Sarah. You see, I know what it is like to be hungry, and it is very hard when one can't even pretend it away. Yes, yes, my dear, said the Indian gentleman. Yes, it must be. Try to forget it. Come and sit on this footstool near my knee, and only remember you are a princess. Yes, said Sarah, and I can give buns and bread to the populace. And she went and sat on the stool, and the Indian gentleman, he used to like her to call him that too, sometimes, in fact very often, drew her small dark head down upon his knee and stroked her hair. The next morning a carriage drew up before the door of the baker's shop, and a gentleman and a little girl got out, oddly enough, just as the bun woman was putting a tray of smoking hot buns in the window. When Sarah entered the shop, the woman turned and looked at her, and leaving the buns, came and stood behind the counter. For a moment she looked at Sarah very hard indeed, and then her good-natured face lighted up. "'I'm sure that I remember you, miss,' she said. "'And yet—' "'Yes,' said Sarah. "'Once you gave me six buns for fourpence, and—' "'And you gave five of them to a beggar child,' said the woman. "'I've always remembered it. I couldn't make it out at first. I beg pardon, sir, but there's not many young people that notices a hungry face in that way, and I've thought of it many a time. Excuse the liberty, miss, but you look rosier and better than you did that day. I am better, thank you, said Sarah, and I, and I am happier, and I have come to ask you to do something for me. Me, miss, exclaimed the woman. Why, bless you, yes, miss, what can I do? And then Sarah made her little proposal, and the woman listened to it with an astonished face. Why, bless me, she said, when she had heard it all. Yes, miss, it'll be a pleasure to me to do it. I'm a working woman myself, and can't afford to do it much on my own account, and there's sights of trouble on every side. But if you'll excuse me, I'm bound to say, I've given many a bit of bread away since that wet afternoon, just along a thinking of you. And how wet and cold you was, and how you looked, and how yet you give away your hot buns as if you was a princess. The Indian gentleman smiled involuntarily, and Sarah smiled a little too. She looked so hungry, she said. She was hungrier than I was. She was starving, said the woman. Many's the time she's told me of it since, how she sat there in the wet and felt as if a wolf was tearing at her poor young insides. "'Oh, have you seen her since then?' exclaimed Sarah. "'Do you know where she is?' "'I know,' said the woman. "'Why, she's there in that back room now, miss, "'and has been there for a month, "'and a decent, well-meaning girl she's going to turn out "'and such a help to me in the day shop, "'and in the kitchen, as you'd scarce believe, "'knowing how she's lived.' "'She stepped to the door of the little back parlor and spoke.' and the next minute a girl came out and followed her behind the counter. And it actually was the beggar child, clean and neatly clothed, and looking as if she had not been hungry for a long time. She looked shy, but she had a nice face, now that she was no longer a savage, and the wild look had gone from her eyes, and she knew Sarah in an instant, and stood and looked at her 
as if she could never look enough. "'You see,' said the woman, "'I told her to come here when she was hungry, "'and when she'd come I'd give her odd jobs to do, "'and I found she was willing, and somehow I got to like her, "'and the end of it was I've given her a place in a home, "'and she helps me and behaves as well, "'and is as thankful as a girl can be. "'Her name's Anne. She has no other.' The two children stood and looked at each other for a few moments. In Sarah's eyes, a new thought was growing. "'I'm glad you have such a good home,' she said. "'Perhaps Mrs. Brown will let you give the buns and bread to the children. Perhaps you would like to do it, because you know what it is to be hungry, too.' "'Yes, miss,' said the girl, and somehow... Sarah felt as if she understood her, though the girl said nothing more, and only stood still and looked. I looked after her as she went out of the shop, and got into the carriage, and drove away. End of section 6. Recording by Sarah and Gracia Partial. SarahPartial.blogspot.com. On April 18th, 2013, in Naples, New York. End of Sarah Crew or What Happened at Miss Minchin's Boarding School by Frances Hodgson Burnett